Silver Rob, you would. Oh man, did you guys see all those chips on my face? That's embarrassing. Oh well, I was finishing some chips. Now I gotta get the chips out. I gotta have a basic standard of hygiene here or else I'm gonna start spiraling. Can't have that. You gotta maintain internal discipline. Uh, they are the classic ridged sour cream and onion chips. Gotta like that. That's one of the most classic combinations you can have. Yes, Virgil's back. Virgil's back on the show, so no more asking me about it ever again. How's that sound? Good deal, I think. Ooh, crab chips are good too, but they didn't have any. My Bodangle does not have crab chips. I don't live in Balmer. Uh, someone asked about the Portuguese Carnation Revolution, which is a very fascinating uh, story because it's, I think, to my knowledge anyway, it is the only successful left-wing military coup um, certainly in Europe um, unless of course you count the Bolshevik Revolution talking to you Robert Service so that's an interesting thing because uh, so it was in the 70s it was uh, the tail end of the era known as the Estado Novo which is the sort of corporatist authoritarian government that uh, had seized power in Portugal before World War II. It was uh, a rare military dictatorship uh, that was headed not by a member of the military, but by a damn nerd, by a college professor, Professor Salazar. Uh, and Professor Salazar ruled over this, quasi this harmonious, sleepy uh, coastal country with a steady, firm hand. Later, he was joined by Francisco Franco, who sort of ran a similar deal in Spain over that exact same time, same time period. Now, uh, when Franco died in Spain, what happened was his chosen successor, Juan Carlos, uh, the, the uh, 
heir to the throne that had been vacated when uh, the monarchy had been overthrown before the popular in the, in the 30s before the Civil War uh, but he didn't want to do he didn't want to keep doing fascism he said it sucked uh, and he was helped by the fact that Edda had blown up the Bosque separatists had blown up uh, the, the general who was supposed to be the guiding hand after Franco died they set off a giant bomb under his car, and the car went over the top of a church. They called him Spain's first astronaut. Uh, but anyway, the upshot is, is that Juan Carlos didn't want to do any more authoritarianism, and so he started a transition to democracy. Uh, and at one point uh, in the early 80s, there was an attempted coup by the military to bring back the dictatorship, uh, and they seized parliament and read a pronunciamento about how, and uh, did it all in the name of the king, of course. Uh, and he went on the radio and denounced them, and the whole thing fell apart. But anyway, in Spain, uh, or in Portugal, uh, Salazar, like Franco, died after a long illness. But hilariously, with Salazar, he went into a coma after a stroke. They assumed he was dead and just moved on with the continuity of government. And then, um, when you know it, Salazar came back to consciousness, uh, and they kind of pretended that he was in charge until he died while not actually letting him control anything. But they actually, because of that, because they had the that little interregnum to, to make sure, uh, the Estado almost uh, attempted to keep going after uh, the death of Salazar. Uh, but their big problem was they were, unlike Spain, enmeshed in some very long a bloody and expensive colonial wars in the Portugal's colonies. Uh, they had Portugal had had a significant overseas empire before um, before World War II. Kept it after the war because they were non-belligerent uh, and gave it up piecemeal as they could, as they were forced to. Basically, uh, in 1961, they actually uh, they lost their little weird nugget of east of Western India. When, uh, when India just invaded them and essentially dared them to do anything about it, and they really couldn't, so they just kind of complained about it, but they went away. But they were fighting these colonial wars in uh, Angola and Mozambique in, in southern Africa, east and west coast. Uh, and it was going poorly, like all those bush wars went in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and usually what happened is, is that the mother country decided... This isn't cost-effective anymore, and just gave up. The French in Indochina and Algeria, the Brits in Kenya and Malaysia, uh, and that was the model. But they were holding on tight because they didn't. They had they had not transitioned to democracy. They still were this military dictatorship that, therefore, didn't have the kind of uh, popular vulnerability to to changes in you know the the mood of the people that uh, one of those other governments does. I mean, obviously that's not the final say in what governments choose to do, but public opinion is a real thing because you can only ma massage the... You, you, you can attenuate democracy to the extent that you can maintain a facade of its, uh, of its existence. So if everybody is against a war in your democracy, you've got a problem. Then you have to rectify it some way. Uh, less of a problem in a, in a dictatorship. So they kept fighting into the 70s. Uh, and eventually a bunch of mid-level officers decided that this was bullshit. <clears throat> They'd been reading some Marxist theory and they got it in their head that they were going to uh, decapitate the state. And uh, they did it. They, they, they coordinated uh, uh, strategic takeovers of all the main 
uh, power and uh, media headquarters and all that stuff. Went on the radio and said, we're in charge now. Uh, and that was basically it. It was almost bloodless. And one of the first things they did then is cut loose the colonies almost immediately. Uh, <clears throat> but the reason that I have been mentioning it lately and that... Uh, uh, but anyway, no, I want to... So they were like, it was a, a kind of like Cuba in that it was a left wing of a military movement. This from within the mil this was a military uh, a movement from within the military as opposed to in a in a rebel military the way Castro was. But it was so inside the military this like junior officers corps of radicalized uh, 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 leftists came together. But they were varied in their ideologies. Some of them were hardcore communists, and others of them were more social democrats or whatever. Uh, and so when they took power, there was an immediate crisis of, like, what kind of government were they going to impose? And eventually, as you kind of assume was going to happen in the context of where they were and when, and, like, their vulnerability to other countries and shit, and, like, the, the world markets, uh, and Portugal's economy in general being relatively uh, well, poor, uh, they, 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 they hewed away from any kind of state takeover and, and, and managed to move towards democracy. Uh, and, you know, there are some leaders, there were some leaders of the movement who years later said they regretted ever even doing it because it was a waste of time and it just uh, gave people uh, fantasies that the regime held uh, legitimacy that it didn't. But the reason I've been mentioning it is because I mean, if you imagine a near future where America's uh, critical infrastructure is put under unsustainable strain and democratic norms and niceties are suspended in some way, to some degree, in some portion of the United States, then the only people, really, realistically, in a position to organize any kind of uh, working class-led um, military movement like that would be necessary because politics has been replaced by force you know the, the the facade of politics has been revealed has been dropped revealing just the armature of force which means you need to have force you need to have actual force uh and the only people who are going to be in a position to do that uh on the left would be people in the military because they in terms of having uh training access to weapons uh yeah, at literal physical proximity to power structures there's nobody close certainly nobody in the political class and it's not like there's enough of a robust labor movement to, to uh, stand up uh, militarily behind but the problem there of course is that the service academies where all of the big all of the officers come from are these absolute fat headed uh, mediocrities, these these fucking cows, who just got selected by what the system is designed to re uh, select the most mediocre yes man who will just do his part to maintain this ridiculous edifice, this world bestriding military colossus that just exists to provide this perverse Keynesian pump on the economy without giving anybody anything they could use, like housing. Or healthcare. Uh, like that's all it is. It's just a giant make-work program. It doesn't matter if they can win a war. The wars aren't to be won anymore. Wars are just to have. 
Or is there to keep on the back burner just slow and slow like you're cooking brisket? So in that case, you don't need it. What do you need? You don't need Napoleon. You don't need, you don't need fucking a Ulysses S. Grant. You don't need some humble son of the soil who fights his way th- across the country, rising with the ranks and showing his uh, his absolute mastery of the moment until his talents are revealed. Why? You're not trying to take Richmond. You're just trying to get the bills paid. You're just trying to get Bechtel and fucking Raytheon. They're fucking uh, vague to get the money from the Saudis. Keep the whole petrodollar blood wheel turning. It doesn't matter if you're good at it. Because nobody's paying attention. So that means those guys are not going to really be in any position to, even on their own behalf, fuck class solidarity, seize power. That's where the hope is. Maybe junior officers. It's always junior officers. Like the, the, the military coups that you saw in, like, uh, Egypt and Libya uh, and and uh, Portugal, the free office or free officers movements of young of young junior officers like colonels and stuff. And I always respected Gaddafi. He seized power when he was a colonel, and he was 29. Amazing. And then he ruled for over 30 years, and he never gave himself a promotion because he remembered where he came from. So the hope is there's maybe some people who didn't go to West Point. Huh. Let's hope. Yeah, our military, I mean, like, the, the I think the, the enlisted people uh, are generally pretty good. They're le- to the left of, uh, I mean, they're way to the left of, like, cops, for example. Uh, they're actually r- relatively diverse as a group of people. Uh, you know, they gave more money to Bernie Sanders than any other candidate in, uh, in donations in 2020. It's not monolithic. I mean, there's obviously psychotic death culture within it because it's a psychotic death cult, but there's also a huge civilian, more civilian-facing infrastructure of it, of people who do not seek out horror. But Because it, it really is one of the very few significant, uh, sustainable, nationalized jobs programs that provide any kind of economic uh, mobility for people below, like, middle class. Like, in this country, if you're, any, if you're, if you're working poor, there's basically no chance you're, you're, you will have generational transition out of that state. Uh, even the middle class. Like, that's the hyperdrive, and it almost never happens. And one of the few things that can provide any of that is the military, because they hire everywhere, regardless of whether or not the mill closed. So there is, I mean, the Bolsheviks were, the spine of the Bolshevik Revolution was uh, deserted soldiers. But, you know, everyone's so split up that even in a crisis, everyone's probably going to do what's easiest, which is to follow orders. So the question is, who can plausibly be in a position to give those orders? And I honestly don't think it's going to be some sort of blood and soil thing. I think it would be more like a, a, a military command economy, like Egypt or Pakistan. Like, you go to the PX to get your groceries every week, you know? Like, there's mandatory service and shit. And, uh, 
Like you got to do corvée labor, you know, like build uh, ditches or something for COVID bodies. But then they also like run the economy and like like actually uh, own capital, which is true of the militaries in Egypt and Pakistan. They're actually huge uh, investors in like industrial capacity and real estate uh, and, and, f- and whole industries. I think there's a, like a flower monopoly, I think, by the Egyptian military or the Pakistani. So that that and then that would be distributed sort of uh, through the veins of its actual military members and then down through their families and stuff. And then like create an economy based around that, like like a like uh, like camp followers during a war. Uh, obviously, I mean, I've been very critical of China. I don't think it's, I think it's a bourgeois dictatorship just like the United States is. Hashtag real talk. But, uh, I'm not a psychotic China hater. I realize that in the long run, China and the United States will have to merge at the political and economic level, like the, like one currency type shit. Like that's going to happen. It's just going to question of what the terms are going to be. So it's, I have no problem. Uh, so... Yeah, I gotta go with China over uh, over India on that one. Although I, they're probably fighting over like somebody who had like a coffee mug ring stain on a map, and now they both think one thing is theirs. That happens all the time. The Chinese—they actually had a war in the '60s. They went to war, China and India, for a brief period. Uh, I don't think it's going to escalate. It's not really in anyone's interest. Uh, critical support for the NBA, MLB players. Uh, the the owners are a disgusting cast of vampires. These dis- human pigs, who just are so so besotted with their own sense of entitlement that they've decided that they'd rather not play baseball than play it on terms that aren't their total mastery and domination of of the talents of people who are far better than them in every respect people who actually contribute to this to the game people want to see as opposed to sitting tick like on top of it sucking fucking blood from it we have a move we have, the society has evolved beyond the need for MLB owners and they need to get the fuck out of the game nationalizing sports is uh, uh that's a no brainer and it's not like it'd be difficult all you got you would have to you would probably have to do like a salary cap but Remember, this is not so that the other half goes to. Uh, that's that's not a salary cap because it's not going into the pockets of the owners. You could think of it as a tax. You could think of it as a wealth tax, which you should be willing to pay, right, in a just society. So you'd have to have a salary cap, but then you just have every you just hire have like a board of directors who hires a, hires management, and then they do the, do what every other team does, which is basically what the Packers do. Only it would be totally municipally run. Okay, somebody wants me to do the rest of uh, Europe with the uh, America because I said the Midwest is the Balkans. We've already established that Appalachia is the Caucasus. Uh, I think that 
All right. All right. The, mm, this is interesting. Uh, huh. I think the west coast is Scandinavia. Northeast is France. The south is Italy. And then, of course, like everything west of the Midwest is uh, the Eurasian steppe. Texas can be Germany. How about that? Texas is the is 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 Germany because it's the size of all these other regions, and it has as many parts of it within itself. Because like there's pro like uh like East Texas is like Bavaria, and then like West Texas is like Prussia. So yeah, Germany is uh Germany is Texas. The north, n uh, the whole northeast is fucking France and maybe a little Spain. Uh, Italy is the south. The step is the is the west, and then Scandinavia is the west coast. I think that's it. That makes sense. The northeast is France, and then New England is England, obviously. But, so I'm talking like P Pennsylvania uh, to like through New York. That's France, and then New England is England. That makes perfect sense. A ancient rivals, New York uh, Yankees, Red Sox. That's nothing on uh, on uh, on the Hundred Years' War. Fucking Battle of Agincourt. I'll take that any day over uh, over uh, Game Seven of the two thousand three ALDS ALCS. God damn it. Florida is Turkey and Greece like depending on like it's the Peloponnese yeah think of the Mediterranean as the Caribbean or Caribbean is the Mediterranean so uh, the south is Italy and then Florida is past the Aegean to uh, to Greece and and uh, and Anatolia. The Mid Atlantic that is the Low Countries. That's Benelux. Delmarva maybe it's Delmarva is Benelux. How's that? Yes, New Orleans is Venice. Correct. Very good. See? This all works. Hawaii is like uh, Malta or something. And uh, Alaska is Iceland. What is the Vatican? Graceland, baby. That's the American Vatican. But New England is Old England, the, the British Isles, so it's also Ireland. The whole thing. Because it's, it's not that big. They flatter themselves.
Ohio. No, Ohio, Serbia. The thing is, is that England and Ireland, as much as people, they may hate each other or whatever, it's basically the same countries. I'm sorry. It's the same pasty skin. It's the same hunched over, beaten down feeling. Both countries have the same exhausted sense of being passed by. Uh, the same uh, enervating weather. The same sort of dreariness of the soul and, and like kind of uh, I mean, Ireland, they're much more cheerful. The people are nicer, but the vibe is very similar. Uh, it's just like there's some parts of, uh, of New England that are nicer than... So that's why, as much as you want Boston to be Ireland, I'm sorry, Boston's too miserable to be Ireland. Boston's got to be England. That's how badly you Irish fucked up. You turned Ireland into England when you moved here. Because Boston is like fucking... Uh, is 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 one of those bummer ass uh, English cities where everybody just kills each other during soccer matches. And if none of this makes sense, remember, it's all absurd and ridiculous and means nothing. But as I've also said, it's not hurting nobody. So let's have a little fun. Oh, I'm just staring at this. I'm getting transfixed. I, I'm sure this is always very riveting when I do this, but sorry, I'm just... Wow. Good stuff. Oh, God, somebody asked what kind of board games uh, Virgil made us uh, has ever made us play. I think I talked about this uh, on the show, but I'm not sure. When we went to Netroots Nation in Philadelphia last year, there was a... at this In the swag merch area, which was way inferior to the one at CPAC, they had this video, these like activist board games. Board games that were supposed to teach you how to be a better activist. One of them was called like Antifa Space Cats or something like that. It was weird. I don't really remember how it went, but it was you were fighting fascists in space and you were a cat. So that was the that's the one day. He also uh, in Iowa last year made us play or earlier this year made us play the uh, 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 the Game of Thrones Trivial Pursuit, I think it was.
I'm hoping to stream some games soon. Hoping that can happen soon. I would play White Frailty the board game. That sounds fun. Uh, somebody asked how many try. Uh, I gotta make an, a, a sad admission here. Somebody asked how many Criterion Collection DVDs I own. For one thing, I'm not really that kind of guy. I appreciate fine films sometimes, but I mostly watch shit. I mostly watch garbage. Uh, but even if I didn't, I don't own any DVDs anymore. I'm, I, it's just, I move too much. It's too seductive to just have everything in the cloud, even though I know I don't really own anything. and Anything can be taken from me at any moment. And that's scary, but it's a price you pay. I'm probably going to just cut off all media and just uh, evaluate what's going on in the world through augury, watching the, where the chickens feed and when the crows fly from their nests and that kind of thing. Secret Honor is the greatest movie about Nixon ever made. With the best Nixon in it, Philip, C uh, Philip Baker Hall, one of the greats. And he doesn't even really do an impression, and they don't give him any makeup or anything. He just plays the volcanic wounded animal. It's really good. Gremlins 2 should be Criterion release. Absolutely. Masterpiece. Yeah, I am getting... Today has been very bad for allergies. I, uh... <laughs> it's, been the, it's, it's, it's been getting worse this week. Ragweed. Damn you! Yeah, everyone who hasn't seen Gremlins 2, check it out. It's groovy. I did see Never Really Here. Uh, that movie is amazing because it, it, it kind of came out while Pizzagate was still something that was uh, idiots like me thought was mostly a joke, but it seems chillingly plausible now, I'll say that. chimes. Like, I kind of wish there was an ice cream guy. Ooh, that's a great question. I had never thought of that because I've given up hope that it'll ever happen. Who would be the ideal director for an American tabloid film? Very good question. Let's think about this. That movie has been dangled in front of me forever. I remember, like, in the 90s, it was uh, Tom Hanks was going to produce a miniseries for HBO. It never happened. Even after LA Confidential. <laughs> It's a bummer, because that's my favorite one of his books. It's the first one I've read. I've, I'm a big fan of all of his stuff, but 
nothing's ever topped the experience of reading American Tabloid for the first time. It was one of the most important books I've ever read in terms of shaping my aesthetic, my, my, my uh, historical interests, uh, my politics, uh, uh, my, uh, you know, my approach to narrative, a lot of things. It was uh, like what I thought you could do in a, in a novel. Uh, and so I would love to see a movie version of it, even if it would be bastardized. Because L.A. Confidential is a really good movie, but it still isn't a patch on the book. Um, and I, but the best part is, is I think I can understand why they did what they had to do with L.A. Confidential, because the plot of L.A. Confidential is absurdly complicated. I mean, it's that's part of the point, but it's also just the idea of putting even a fraction of it on screen, not realistic. With American Tabloid, I think you could really do it. You could really tell that story in a way that wouldn't compromise the story arcs. Because the big problem with uh, uh, the big problem with LA Confidential is the way it just ends in a big stupid shootout that just cuts the Gordian knot of all the plot strings. And I don't think you'd have to do that with American Tabloid. And so I've often thought about casting it, like who should be in it, but I hadn't really thought of who would direct it. I think. Let's think of the obvious choices first. Uh, the first name that comes to mind, the most obvious name, is David Fincher. Uh, but I don't think that would be ideal. He gets Elroy's obsessiveness, obviously, in his like chilly, like reptilian gaze. I don't know. Maybe it would be. Maybe maybe I'm thinking too hard. Maybe it's just Fincher. Maybe Fincher is the one. Because the thing is, I guess it's because I don't really like Fincher that much. He's not... I don't like him as much as a lot of people do. But I have to say that for this material, he's kind of ideal. But let's keep thinking. Uh, the Coen brothers? No. No, no, no. No, not the Coen brothers. Uh, Elroy doesn't really have a sense of humor is the thing. And I don't think they could ever really pull that off. That's one of Elroy's strengths, is that he never winks. He has full, full fucking, like, fixated North Star intensity on telling the stories. So he has no time for frivolity. Some of his short stories are funny on purpose. But uh, the novels are not funny. And that's, not, that's good. If they wouldn't be as good if they were. And I can't see the Coen brothers not doing it. Like, uh, No Country for All Men is a pretty funny movie. We, it's got two double beds. Did you not hear me? We don't give out that information about our residents. And of course, one of the funniest bits in Coen Brothers history, in the famous coin toss scene with the gas station guy, when he, when he chokes on the peanut and goes... Uh... Who else? Paul Thomas Anderson, someone said, he doesn't really do plot. And uh, an American tabloid movie would have to be very plot heavy. It would have to get in its character stuff at the edges. And that's not really what paired, uh, what ta PTA does. So I don't think uh, I don't think that would be a good, good one. Uh, Zack Snyder, that's kind of funny. I don't know. Uh, Soderbergh is an interesting choice. Okay, Soderbergh is interesting because he can do like genre shit, like easily. You know, I mean, he's he's he, he did one of the all-time great Elmore Leonard adaptations in uh, Out of Sight. 
I think he could he could vibe with Elroy. He's also got the chili thing. Uh, so he's definitely on the list. Michael Mann? Uh, huh. That's an interesting one. He's definitely would... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think he might be like... He might be hostile to the plot stuff. That's just too plotty because his his movies really don't move in that kind of linear way. I mean, Heat is almost three hours long, and there's barely any plot in it. Craig Zoller, <laughs> oh man, ooh, now that's an interesting one. Craig Zoller, I don't know if he could pull off. Well, now he did Bone Tomahawk, so he can definitely pull off. Uh, yeah, all right. He's definitely on the list, too. Uh, Dan Gilroy is a good idea, too. Dan Gilroy is good. Andrew Dominic, not bad. These are some good ideas here. Not Tarantino. Andrew Dominic is a good one, too. Not Eastwood. I'm, uh, I just finished Lodge 49. Uh... I really liked it, and I thought the last, the end was great, but god damn it, I really wanted another season. Now that I'm done, I'm really kind of annoyed. Because as much as they don't need another season, because the show is able to, you know, leave you with a sense of satisfaction no matter what, because it's, you know, it's, 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 it understands itself as a cyclical story, even though it might get another addition to it. But, Still, man, I, I really like those characters, and I would like to hang out with them some more for another season or so. But people people are too dumb. There wasn't enough uh, prestige bullshit in it for people to watch it. There wasn't enough uh, dumbass, indulgent, like, ooh, this is all very serious and rigorous, and, and this is real, this is cinema, while you're looking at your phone the whole time. Every one of these fucking shows is designed to be watched while you're watched looking at your phone. God damn it. How about some coffee flavored coffee, okay? Cheeto in the White House. Ugh. Man, I am stuffed up. This is not good. Oh boy. I'm sorry. What is the most effective allergy medicine? It's not the one I took today, that's for sure. I thought it would have fucking worked. I gotta take another one. Ugh. 
these damn bodangle uh, allergy medicines are nothing but sawdust. Yeah, how you guys always make fun of Zizek. How do you know he's just not allergic? Huh? It's not necessarily tooting on that yayo. He might just have some dang ragweed allergies, as I do. I am not buying the PS5, no. What would I do with it? I don't, I don't game. I shan't game. Shan't be happening. I have, I, we have a, we have a gaming PC for me to work on if we ever figure out how to fucking stream from our office, and I'll play Crusader Kings or something there, or roll a ball around in the Katamari Damacy game, and stream some of that. But I shan't be gaming on a console. I shan't be gaming upon a console. You can't make me do it. Ugh. I usually, the thing is, I usually don't take medicine. I usually, because it usually just hits in the morning and then I'm fine. And so I just got to ride it out. But today it's not gone away. Is having kids immoral? No, of course not. It's It shows that you actually believe that you can, that there's a future. It makes you want to fight for it. There's nothing wrong with egoism as just an observation of the self as, a, as it exists, but you aren't yourself as you exist. You're, you're, you are all yourselves together at the same time. And how do you manage that? That's the only question that matters. How do you manage all those other isolated, singular egos? How do you manage them? Because that's all that there is. Uh, Virgil wants to do a Beltway garage soon, but I gotta know. I gotta say, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about because I have completely checked out on the presidential race. I mean, I do not care. I mean, obviously, it's not hard to, for that to be the case because everything that's happening seems very irrelevant, but. I have genuinely fully grill-pilled all my way through by any of my concern and, and personal. I don't really know what's going on. It looks like Biden's going to win, but, I mean, I don't give a shit. So I don't know what I'm going to say, honestly. Maybe I'll just talk about grilling. Booker in Kentucky is interesting. It would be nice to see him get the nomination because it's obviously very unlikely that McConnell will lose, but if things fall correctly, this could be an unprecedented landslide election. I mean, you're seeing certain signs of enthusiasm on the anti-Trump side and 
uh, a huge shift among Democratic voters, the potential to see a return among black voters to 2016 voting, uh, or 2012 uh, voting uh, participation amounts, which, if that all happened, you could see a real, genuine landslide. I wouldn't necessarily extend that far down the ballot, because obviously a lot of it will be about Trump specifically, rather than the Republican Party, but Mitch McConnell is a very hated individual. He could very well get some of that uh, backsplash. And you want, if that possibility happens, it honestly won't really matter who he's running against, So you, in terms of, you know, because they're going to win either way, get somebody there who might be slightly better than the other one. And he, uh, Booker looks a lot better than Amy McGrath. Ugh, yuck. Liberate Alberta, baby. Where is it? Build the pipe. Build the damn pipe. When are we going to build the pipe? When are we going to get serious in Ottawa and start building the damn pipe? I am Patio Man. Je suis Patio Mont. I am Patio Man, and this is my patio land. And I am the god who surveils it. All is under my domain, from the Ikea folding chair to the Weber 22-inch kettle to my chaise-long. Is Michael Jackson truly canceled? He's dead. That's exactly, that's as canceled as you get. There's no cancellation that transcends death, I'm afraid. Yes, this is my patio autonomous zone. Somebody asks, keeps asking about Oliver Stone's Nixon, which is an okay movie. It's pretty good, but it's not his best. Uh, it's got a lot of great performances, though, although one of them is not really Anthony Hopkins. I don't think he's very good. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. And not just because he didn't have a good uh, handle on an American accent, which he absolutely does not. He sounds fucking Welsh, always. Same way Connery always sounds Scottish. You won't have dictation to get around anymore. But uh, a lot of the other performances are great. They really nailed the casting. James Woods as Haldeman? I mean, perfect. J.T. Walsh as Ehrlichman. Who should direct the Chris Dorner movie? Me, baby. Me. No. I, I will be directing the, uh, the the Stephen Paddock movie. Uh, Dorner, Harmony Corinne could do a good job. Soderbergh, actually. I think if you read Dorner's insane um, uh, manifesto where he shouts out like Hillary Clinton, Joe Scarborough, uh, Gianna Michaels, 
It talks about like uh, Todd Phillips. Thank you for the Hangover films, and it's sad that I'm not going to get to see the Hangover three. I think it's going to be wonderful when you complete the trilogy, sir, before he goes out to kill a bunch of cops and go down in a blaze of glory when they set fire to the building he's in. That's like, that's it's like a normie just purely snapping. And the informant does a good job of that. Uh, Safties would be good for a Dorner movie. Oh, yeah. Safties would be great for a Dorner movie. Michael B. Jordan is Gord, Dor, as uh, as daughter. Okay, even though he looked like LL Cool J. I'd actually like to see the Hughes brothers come out of retirement to do a daughter movie. What was the last movie they made? Dead Presidents is so good. Also, Menace to Society. So yeah, the Hughes brothers. Give them some money and have them do the Dorner movie. I don't think John Carpenter wants to come back, which is cool. Okay, somebody asked about devs. I bet because I started talking about causality and you know how all action is predetermined and to totally predestined and unchanging, but you still have free will because you are not aware of the degree to which that is true. Uh, and so you'll say, "Oh, that's on that show." So I started to watch it, and I gotta say, man, I cannot take Alex Garland shit. I cannot handle this super ponderous, just overly portentous, crisp, frosty thing that he does. It just rubs me the wrong way. I don't get more pulled in by it. I get more alienated by it. And then I find myself looking at my phone and then I'm like, I told myself I wasn't going to do this anymore. So that means I should stop watching it. Who will play the Sardiabs? Uh, well, Felix will play a m amalgam of both. I don't have the Rona. That's not. That's one of the only things that isn't. Sneezing is one of the only things that isn't a symptom of the Corona. I was not a huge Annihilation fan either, or Ex Machina. Time to air it all out. British sci-fi guys and me don't really go too well together, I guess you'd say. Him and uh, Ridley Scott can go jump up my butt. Twenty-eight Days Later is okay, but he didn't direct it. It would have been worse if he directed it, I can say that. Honestly... I know people love Dread now, and Dread is a uh, 
cult classic, and I certainly see the appeal. I watched it like two weeks after I saw the raid, and I just like this is this made me wish I was watching the raid. Guy fighting his way through a wood building. It's just I know it's not fair to compare them, but I couldn't get it out of my head, and so I can't really judge it outside of that context. Also, I want a little bit. I'm sorry. I want a little bit of build, world building. Can I get a little bit of world building? The whole concept is is that it's the near it's some cyber future where all the the entire world has been sandblasted, and the only places left are these little autarkic mega cities, and the crime is so rampant and, and overpopulation is so out of control that they've gotten rid of having even a complete a, 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 an actual legal system. One man. Judge, jury, and executioner. And in the movie, that don't really come into it at all because they get locked into the thing the whole time. Like the design of like those modular uh, uh, housing complexes was cool, but you know, give me a little bit of the actual. What's it like in there? What's the deal? It's 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 supposed to be a far future dystopian. I'd like a little bit more of that. Now, the the Stallone version fucked up because they did the bad thing where. You go to see a movie about a guy who's got a, who's got a job, and then half of the movie is them not doing that job because they are uh, been framed for something. I hate that. You you want to see the guy be the thing. You don't want to see him not be the thing. It's Judge Dredd, not Prisoner Dredd. But anyway, at least you got more of a sense of like what what the society was like. I mean, it was dumb, like the Council of Judges shit, very stupid. But I want a little bit of that. I want a little poquito mas of that por favor. So that's why I can't even really get behind Dread, even though many people love it. Spilling all the tea right now. Spilling the tea all over the place. Like a cherub. I've seen CSA, uh, the Confederate States of America movie. It's not great. Uh, it's very low budget. Is one of the big problems with it. But it's uh, got some interesting ideas in it, and it's it's, it's relatively well researched. But I, uh, and also, I don't think it's really plausible that the Confederate States would have taken over and imposed slavery in the entire United States. Uh, it would have been more like in the Harry Turtledove books, where they become regional superpower rivals and end up fighting in both world wars against each other. All right, guys, one more question, I think, and then I'm going to split. Thank you guys for talking. It was a good time. Uh, somebody asks, how to stop behavior loops? Uh, it's hard. It's impossible to tell someone because they have to find out for themselves what works. But the principle of all of them is slow down. I know it's way easier to say than to do, but... When you learn why from the inside, it'll be easier to remember. I don't have an Eddie Pot. I should get one, though. They look like fun. 
Somebody asked me if uh, somebody gave me the advice to get a gun. Uh, ha! Yeah, that's hilarious. Bye-bye, guys.